How could they do this to all these women here? To be forcefully housed with a serial rapist is extremely callous and abusive. So male prisoners can go to female prisons if they self-identify as transgender? Yes, nothing that anybody who's done their time in a women's prison is prepared for. Your living space is about six feet. That's a very tight space to share with anyone, but even more so with someone that has a history of violence against women. There is no privacy in, in prison, that's a given. But now it's no privacy and no dignity either. So even trans men are reaching out to you for your help? There's no benefit for them in this law. Their own perception of safety and well-being is not taken into consideration under any circumstances. My guest today is Amy Ichikawa, founder of Women to Women. I don't think that that is healthy for any party involved, even for the sex offenders, even for the, the rapists. Why are they being put in the position where they might reoffend? Everybody is losing. It's the worst human science project I've ever seen. There is a recent law in California that allows inmates to choose the male or female prison based on how they self-identify without any biological examinations. Among these transferees are convicted sex offenders. Today, Amy discusses what's happening inside California's female prisons. Continue watching for an insider's perspective. I'm Siamai Korami. Welcome to California Insider. Thank you. We want to talk to you about the controversial law that is affecting prisons in California. It's called SB 132. Can you explain this law? Yes, SB 132, also known as the Transgender Respect Agency and Dignity Act, that was written by Senator Scott Weiner and supported by an overwhelming amount of organizations and elected officials in California, is a law that provides privileges to anyone within the Department of Corrections that self-identifies as anything outside of the gender norm. Some of the privileges include um, the ability to request a transfer to a prison of your gender of choice. There are very few, if any, requirements other than self-identification. You can be non-binary, gender fluid. Uh, this isn't exclusive to trans women. This isn't ex exclusive to people who've been victimized in the men's prison. This is um, pretty much open season for anyone who wants to get out of the men's prisons. This is created a window of opportunity for predators as well as reported victims. So what it's done is provide, provided the same, the same privileges, the same opportunities to predator and victim. So no one is safe. This didn't provide uh, respite or, or relief from any type of harassment or anything for anybody. It just made the victim pool bigger. So male prisoners can go to female prisons if they self-identify as transgender? Is that how it works? Mm -hmm. And CDCR's definition of transgender is very broad. It's um, the inclusion is um, negligent. It's so broad. It, it's just anything outside of, of strictly being a, a man or a woman anything gender fluid. So as someone identifies as non-binary and they don't associate with either of the sexes, they still have the right to transfer. 
the economy is not doing well, and with the current government spending irresponsibly, the inflation could get worse. How will you protect your hard-earned savings? The answer is gold. Gold is the world's oldest, most proven form of currency. It's there for you when inflation soars and when other assets go sideways. And that's why Birch Gold is so thrilled to introduce a new product that reimagines gold as a currency, the gold back. This month, you'll get a free gold back for every $5,000 purchased. When you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA with Birch Gold by December 22nd, Birch Gold will help you own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Visit birchgold.com California to claim your free info kit on gold. Then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Plus, with every purchase you make before December 22nd, you'll get a free gold back. This is a great gift just in time for Christmas. Once again, visit birchgold.com California and protect your savings with gold today. And has there been any impact? You, you've been in touch with people in female prisons. Can you tell us what's been the impact so far? When the rollout started, the women were, were very distraught. There was very uh, little preparation that went into uh, the transition. They weren't provided with any education or um, any preparatory actions that would have made the transition less traumatic. Um, in the men's prisons, they received uh, self-help packets, hours of, of uh, education on how to protect themselves from cisgendered women. Um, there were handouts and flyers, and the women were not prepared in that manner. One, uh, one day they just reported that there were posters up in the medical clinics saying what their options were if and when they got pregnant. And uh, that was extremely shocking, being that option number one is abortion, option number two is plan B, option number three is connecting with a social worker to learn how to adopt out. And that just really made them feel irrelevant, erased. Uh, there was just terror that ran through the entire population. And it's contagious. If there's no partnership with administration in easing people into something that's such a drastic change, it's of course going to create total chaos emotionally. So what were they afraid of? The, 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 the women? Person? Yeah. Primarily that the people that were transferring in were not the people that they thought were coming. Uh, was not uh, sensitive needs people that wanted to integrate into the population and just do their time. These people, many of them are coming with predatory in intentions. Uh, many of them have a history of sexual violence. Uh, they are also almost all intact males. These are not people that have had sexual reassignment surgery. Uh, these are full-bodied male people. <laughs> um, that's the, the, the most disturbing thing amongst all the things. These, these are people who, who are still fully functioning um, men. And they just self-identify. There is no process of checking right. whether their history or their background. Right, uh, because those things would be deemed discriminatory in accordance to this law. Uh, you can't deny or um, reject any requests based on physical attributes, uh, sexual orientation, criminal history, 
um, ide gender identity, anything like that, that would be um, included in the long list of discriminations. What about the background of the, the person? Is it if they had some, like, some sort of rape in their history, does that matter? Mm -mm. No, and this, this is, some of the women were told that there, there was going to be a vetting process to make sure that no uh, sex offenders, no rapists, no child rapers would be able to access the women's estate. And that's very not true. It's a complete lie. Um, there are serial rapists that have transferred. Uh, and I guess the premise of, of the law is that if there is anyone in the facility that people, a person wishes to transfer to, if there's anyone there that has a similar or the same charge or has ever been, then it's, it's deemed as acceptable. So if there's one, one woman who uh, on her record has a sexual assault that's similar to um, one of the transfers, then it's fine. So what have you been hearing from inside? You're in contact with people mm -hmm. in the prison and they're sending you messages. It's so sad. Uh, initially, uh, the messages, I, I got messages from women I've never met. They were coming every day. I was getting uh, mail, emails, phone calls. Just what are they going to do? How come they're doing this to us? How can, they, how can this happen? How is this legal? Uh, this has to stop. What's, what's going to happen? What about, what about the ladies who can't defend themselves? What, what, what are we going to do? Um, and I didn't have any answers. I said, well, let, we have to pray, and um, I'll, I'll make some noise. So I started to make some noise, and that's when I realized how much bigger of an issue this is than just exclusively to the prisons. This is v a very big, big issue with a lot of financial backing and a lot of complications. and. Um, I was completely ignorant. I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, but I know now. <laughs> Has there been any evidence of people getting hurt in the prison? Is there been any, any, any evidence of? Aside from what the courts would consider hearsay, no. Um, I mean, I have stories and letters and messages and messages and messages. But as far as like pregnancies, um, no. I personally think that there, there are a lot of things that get hidden in the prison system, um, but that's just a feeling I have. Uh, it's not based on any facts that are available. Uh, but there is there there is there are complaints. Uh, women lodge complaints regularly. Uh, well, not anymore. Actually, I think that has definitely slowed down because uh, there is a fear of retaliation that's in existence now. Um, from who? From from staff from the transfers. Um, some women who made a complaint about a certain individual that they were uncomfortable with all ended up in administrative segregation. They lost their honor dorm privileges. 
one woman lost her parole suitability. She was found suitable after over 20 years of being a model inmate. And she was charged with, uh, she got a write-up for harassment as a result of the complaints she lodged. And they're following protocol, they're, they're following the avenues that are provided in order to get their needs met or their concerns heard. And they're still, they're still being um, punished. So whether, no matter how they respond to this, it's, it's the same outcome, nothing. So how many people so far have been transferred to oh. these female prisons? Right now, between CCWF and CIW, there are uh, 40 transfers, approximately 40. And how many people have gone from the female to the male prison? Zero. Zero. Um, I think we all have an idea of why. Uh, it would be um, very difficult for the prison to ensure those, that person's safety. And I don't know if anybody has applied. I don't think there's a real big desire to hurry up and get over there. Nothing that anybody who's done their time in a women's prison is prepared for. And how many more are they? There's, there's a num bigger number of applicants, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there are, I think, 287 pending um, applications. To mm. go from the male prison to female prison. Mm -hmm. And 33.8% uh, of that 287 are registered sex offenders, meaning this is not their first offense for a sex crime. Mm, this would be more than one on record because to be registered, you have to have left, get on the registry and gone back. So a large number of these people already have sexual offenses in the past. In comparison to, I think it's 17% uh, in the general population, 17% are registered sex offenders and um, within the transferred population, the pending transfer, it's 33.8%. So that's, that's a big jump. So you think some of these people are doing this on purpose, mm -hmm. come to the female prisons? Mm -hmm. Yes, with, the, with bad intentions. Uh, there's, I don't know if there's any evidence of um, the transfers uh, being victimized in the men's prison, which was initially what this was for, to help people who were the 14% increase in uh, sexual assaults in the men's prison. This is a, a, a sensitive group, but that's not who's being um, serviced with this law, with the, this policy implementation. It's, it's not what it seems at all. Do you think this number will grow over the next few years as more people find out that they can have this option mm -hmm. to go into the female prison? Absolutely. I, I, there are very few reasons why someone wouldn't want to take advantage of that. Uh, there's, I don't know if legislators took into consideration um, the business that lives within the, the carceral system the extortion, uh, the blackmail. There's so much money to be made. The women's prison is a gold mine. And it's just a matter of time before people are able to tap into that vein and really start exploiting these women. Can you explain that? What do you mean by that? It's a gold mine. It would only take 
uh, one person to to make a phone call to your family and say, I, you know, you've got to pay me a hundred dollars a month for your loved one, or or else um, people are going to pay. This is this isn't unheard of. These are just like taxes, uh, and I don't. No one took these kind of things or these kind of politics into consideration. The politics that live inside of the men's facilities are not the same in the women's facilities. They are not operating on the same level at all. So is there extortion? There's gangs there? That oh, yes. There's actually, this, this was made really clear early on, like uh, during the, the onset of the implementation, there are uh, PC gangs that, PC meaning um, protected custody, PC gangs that are transferring over to perform a hostile takeover. Um, it's, it's I, I believe it's even stated somewhere in the lawsuit. It's, um, it's known, the prison knows about it. Um, they're, they're, they're aware. And what happened to them? Why are they bringing this suit? Was there an incident that caused the suit? For a couple, yes, for all of them actually, it has negatively impacted them. It's how do you um, practice your religion when you're being forced to, you know, change, dress, live, everything intimate about you is completely exposed to uh, somebody who you know is a man. Um, whether they identify as one or not, you and your eyes and your brain know that this is a man. How do you practice your religion? How do you, um, how do you function? Um, one woman uh, made an inmate complaint about someone putting, you know, their, their genitals on her. And she received the complaint back from the Department of Corrections and where it said man, they had crossed it out and it said a woman with a penis. And this is not what she knows or believes. So what kind of situation is this here that, that we're doing? This is, this is definitely an additional punishment on top of what they've already been sentenced to. Now, you mentioned that these women, they had to see this um, male body naked. Um, how does it work in a cell? Like, can you explain mm -hmm. to us what's the size and do uh, people live together there? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, that's a very good question. The women's prison, uh, well, CCWF is the largest women's prison in the world. And it is not set up like what you see on television or uh, what you see in the men's facilities. They are eight-person cells originally for four people, but they added bunk beds. So there's, there's four bunk beds and lockers for each individual. Uh, a toilet that's partially enclosed and a large shower, two sinks. And there's a big window that faces to the hallway and a big window that faces to the outside. And um, your living space is about six feet, including, uh, not including your bunk. And that's a very tight space to share with anyone. It's uh, tense with anyone, um, but even more so with someone that has a history of violence against women. Um, you have to do everything in that room. You have to get ready for work. You have to change. Uh, you're running in and out of the shower. You, you know, um, 
there there is no privacy in, in prison. They, that's a given. But now it's no privacy and no dignity either. Uh, in CIW, there's communal showers. How do you comfortably, even even for um, the transfers, how how is that comfortable? How is this comfortable? Um, this, it's not. There 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 were reports of mirrors being you know attached to the ceilings for uh, peeping purposes. Um, it's just really uncomfortable. It's already difficult enough to um, shower and be naked in front of people with the same bodies. Uh, but I, I don't think that that is healthy for any party involved, even for the sex offenders, even for the, the rapists. Why are they being put in the position to where they might reoffend? Everybody is losing in this situation. No one is being um, helped or, or having their lives valued at all. It's the worst human science project I've ever seen. You mentioned that there is no concrete evidence for the court, but in the messages you sent me, the, the information was mentioning that people were, uh, there was allegations that people are getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you explain to us what well, is going on? You know, that clearly would be, I would think, a major concern for people being that when you put penises and vaginas together in a room, then babies happen. Um, but I don't know if that was taken into consideration when this uh, was created. But there are tons of reports of people uh, having relations just on the yard, uh, getting caught in their rooms, in the cells. They even put condom dispensers in the med lines in CIW. That was a crazy day. Um, I actually have the, the original memo. Uh, that just said because of the climate of the population, they thought it would be a good idea. And it is legal within the Department of Corrections to have three condoms on your person at any time. In the men's prison, never has it ever been available in the women's prison because women don't have penises, so there's no need for them. But they only stayed up for a few days. Um, I actually have the meeting minutes from the uh, inmate advisory council meeting th that took place after they were removed. And the associate warden said it was a direct order from someone above the warden, and that's all he had to say. You are helping this woman because you actually had your own experience. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about what you saw and why you're doing this? Um, well, when, when I was 24, I was sentenced to five years in state prison. and. Uh, I knew something was wrong as soon as I got there. It, during my time, there was a serial rapist who was transferred in for security purposes. Um, this person was, uh, had committed their crime in the same county, I think, as the prison. So there were many women who were familiar with the case. This person um, was in observation for some time but it was still very intimidating. Uh, I would call home every day and nobody believed anything I was saying because it was so outrageous. Um, until it hit the newspaper, they just thought I was losing my mind um, because I would be, I was hysterical. How could they do this to all these women here? 
these are survivors of every kind of sexual abuse you can imagine. And to be forcefully housed with a serial rapist is extremely callous and abusive. Um, there's one incident not long after the observation period was over when the individual asked one of the uh, women's advisory council members if they could get them a job in the electrical shop. And this person in the commission of their crime electrocuted their victims. So this is very callous and brazen um, psychological warfare that is occurring right in our own state being fully funded by taxpayers' dollars. And what about the prison guards? What are they doing about it? Um, I, don't, I don't think they love it. I don't think that they are having a good time implementing this policy. Uh, a lot of the older correctional officers, the more seasoned veterans, the, the ones that are the most supportive, the ones that, that provided guidance, not just for the inmates, but for the new um, for the new officers coming in, they retired. They couldn't watch this. There was a captain that wept on, on the yard with the women because she, she said, we failed. We failed. So, you know, women's prison, the level of violence is far different than in the men's facilities. Uh, the staff wasn't, they had to go through additional training. Um, they had to get larger pepper sprays, um, they're not ready for what, what could happen, what um, the potential dangers that, that just lurk and just wait for the opportunities to occur. You mentioned that you've been receiving messages and emails from the people uh, inside the prison. Mm -hmm. How do you get those and who are the people? They're women, they're women, they're trans men, they are uh, every age, every background, every color, every everything. Uh, when this first happened, um, I felt so bad. I sent a letter in to every yard and I just used my home address. So <laughs> I started getting a lot of, before I thought of maybe getting a PO box, I started getting a lot of letters and I sent in a template letter um, for them to use to send to senators, to, to anybody to, or other organizations. Um, and it did have my home address on it. So I started getting a lot of mail, a physical mail, and there's a inmate or a prisoner um, email system that we use so I can get messages that way. A lot of times it's uh, regulated. I, I think mine more so than the average individual because they have a lot of contacts. Um, also phone calls. At one point um, when it was really bad, a lot of women said, why don't you start a hotline? Because we can't, there's like 600 people here who need to talk. And I said, well, who's going to man the hotline? Just give them my number. So <laughs> that happened uh, because I couldn't just not be available. I couldn't 
I could not do it. So we, we actually have a, a private Facebook group that has 1,300 formerly incarcerated women from California in it. And I asked everybody, if you still have a friend inside, just can you please have them, allow them to give your phone number to one other friend? Because if we can carry this together, it, it, it's not going to feel so heavy. Uh, and it was helpful. It, it's, it was a good call to action, I think, because I, I, I do need help. We all need help. This is a giant problem that is almost invisible. And we could use all the support we can get. So even trans men are reaching out for you to you for your help. Mm -hmm. Because this is in no way there's there's no benefit for them in this law. Um, their own perception of safety and well-being is not taken into consideration under any circumstances. Uh, I think there's even some some like undertones. There's some animosity. Uh, going on there. I, I'm, I'm not sure what the, the hierarchy is going to look like once the dust really settles, but they're not doing well. Um, and I don't think the Department of Corrections is ready for the complications and the intensity of um, female to male sexual reassignment surgery. There's two pending um, operations and they had to stall them because they didn't understand how long the healing process and downtime is behind this. People are going to have to be transferred out and held in other places. And this is going to be additional on, t on top of the $106,000 a year. This is upwards of 15 to 25,000 more dollars. And there's the, the really sad part is that there's women who have viable medical conditions right now. There's a woman who um, needs a breast reduction really, really bad. And she was just denied yesterday because they said it was unnecessary. And her, she's, she's like wearing three bras. She's so uncomfortable. Uh, she needs this and it's, it's just deemed cosmetic. Do you have any thoughts or recommendations for the lawmakers? Because you've actually experienced this firsthand. Um, well, definitely when writing prison policy, they should involved, involve advocates and incarcerated people that this will impact, not just one isolated group of people. It has to be even. Um, this was advertised as, as having the involvement and during the frameworking period of everyone that was going to be impacted by this, everyone except women. There were meetings and roundtables, but exclusionary to women. So this uber-inclusive policy completely excluded women. That can't be common practice. These, a lot of these things could have been avoided had there been a partnership in the early stages of development of the bill. Um, and when people write policy, they have to think of the, the long game. They can't just think of what's going to solve this right now and be good for you know my, the next election. It has to be, how is this going to impact recidivism? How is this going to help people reintegrate into society and be functioning and not completely traumatized? Um, 
and people should definitely read the bills before they sign them and they should not be uh, intimidated uh, or forced to vote a certain way um, it would um, it really surprised me to know that the California Women's Caucus fully supported this. Um, kind of made me ill. Um, took my breath away to know how much support was behind this. I didn't know so many elected officials hated women so much. Was there a moment you realized that? Because that's, that's a very strong statement. Mm -hmm. When I when I checked the voting records and saw that there were nine elected officials that voted no for this bill, I knew that this was much bigger than just the prison system. This has got to be like a nationwide, even a global uh, movement that's happening here to erase women. Nine people. We have a huge state. There's a lot of, of elected officials that are supposed to work for the people. And there were nine brave people who voted no. Made it a lot easier for my contact list. It's a lot shorter, but nine people. This law was supposed to help the transgender community, right? Did it, did it help this community, I think? Well, it helped to make people who genuinely need help even more helpless. Um, there's people who definitely need to do their time in a women's prison because it is safer for them. But being that the privilege is made available to anyone, it has not made them safer. It hasn't benefited anyone. It, um, It has really created a, a toxic, just diabolical situation of uh, just the prison of the mind. People are afraid to think, they're afraid, women are afraid to say anything. It's crippling, it's crippling. And I can feel it out here. If I feel like there's a hand around my neck all the time, I can only imagine what they feel like. Have you tried to reach out to the author of this bill? Um, early on, I, I, I made some attempts. I even uh, contacted Senator Weiner's office to express that there was a trans-identified person, young person, that was being beat by the staff. This person was in need. We needed a welfare check. And I thought, who better than Senator Weiner to remedy this situation. Maybe this would uh, help him and his supporters in office understand what's going on in here. People who are uh, trans men, for example, if you're, a, if you're born female, your, your time is not easy at all. Uh, you get mistreated by the police even worse because I think that there's some intimidation there. Um, but this young person was, was beaten pretty bad, and I was getting calls from every single yard. You have to check on this person. You have to check on this person. I think, you know, they, they, they all witnessed this. So when people see that level of violence, it's very traumatic, and it affects the entire population. So I, I expressed that. I tweeted. I sent emails, and there, there was no response. 
Do you think there's a chance that the people that voted yes, they had no idea what's going on in the prisons, or do you think they know? If they didn't know, and they don't know how to read, I don't think that they should keep their jobs. Uh, it's in very plain, plain language. The law is short, um, and it's very clear what it's doing, that um, this group of people's uh, feelings and own perception of health and safety and well-being will be taken into consideration regarding any moves or transfers or job placements. That's absolutely unheard of, and no one else has those opportunities. So any adult who is breathing and has a pulse can understand that that's going to create a huge problem when you take a whole population and just handpick a little part of it and give them all these privileges, it's going to be dangerous. Do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Um, I do. Uh, make sure you do your homework. Make sure you, you, you pay attention when these laws, these policies, these bills are, are going across the governor's desk because Things are, are, are happening, and they're not what I think the general population would be okay with. Um, and don't be fooled by pretty language, inclusive words, uh, read in depth into things, and really get familiar with who your representatives are and what they're about, and whether or not they're really for the people. Amy Ichikawa founder of Women to Women. It was great to have you Thank on you. California Insider. Thank you very much. We want to ask you to sign up to our California Insider email list. You will receive exclusive updates on our upcoming documentary and get the latest inside stories on everything that's happening in California. Go to insiderca.com and sign up 